So welcome back to another episode of Full Body Frequency. I'm Laura Wright, your host. No cap, no hyperbole. This is an interview that I've wanted to do for years. My guest is a legend in the health at every size movement. She's inspired many plus size people to embrace the bodies we have, envision ourselves as athletes, and train and treat our bodies accordingly. Louise Green, global fitness coach, author, athlete, and the founder of Big Fit Girl. Welcome to Full Body Frequency. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It's my absolute pleasure. Let's begin at the beginning. What are your earliest childhood memories of physical activity? Did you always run? Did you dance? What got you moving? So, as a child, yes, I was pretty active. I come from an Irish family, so I was very involved in competitive Irish dancing as a younger child and played a lot, played soccer, and did that pretty much throughout my childhood until kind of around adolescence where more important things became to the forefront. What, what were some of those things? I think it was just more about social life and parties and, you know, boys and things like that. And I think there's this time when adolescents often move away from physical fitness, especially as girls. And studies have shown that there's this kind of pullback due to the fact that we're going through changes in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And I remember being mortified with those changes in my body. Like I was not, I didn't get the pep talk that this was, you know, a beautiful transition, mm -hmm. that this was to be embraced and like you're on the brink of womanhood. No, I was like all full of shame around it. So I wasn't really interested in putting my body on show. And I think that that's a common story when it comes to athletics and, and girls transitioning from girls into adolescence into women. Absolutely. And I think a lot of us are daunted by the prospect and actually the reality of our menses. Yes. You know, you know that's, that's, that's big. I didn't even know what it was. Like, that's how little pep talk I had. I was like, what is happening here? I didn't mm -hmm. even know. Mm -hmm. I mean, times have really changed. This was, you know, in the, in the early eighties. Um, and, uh, you know, the education that my teen gets at school now is a lot different than, what it was back in the day and therefore the conversation's more open and you know I'm having conversations with him all the time about what's going on with his body but mm -hmm. I just didn't grow up in that environment and so it was happening in real time for me and it was really mortifying and in fact kind of traumatizing. I uh, understand what you're saying about the openness of conversations. My niece has a whole period pack that she keeps in her backpack. I mean, she looks forward to choosing this, choosing that, da, 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 making sure she has it. And I'm just like, really? Okay. Yeah. But that's okay. The, the openness is good. The openness is good. Absolutely. Yeah. What influenced your personal journey to fitness and as a professional in the fitness industry? So I was really entrenched in diet culture. As I explained through my adolescence, I had a lot of body shame. So I was always trying to be thinner. And I think that that's a common story. And in that pursuit, I went to join a run club. And 
I was always really terrified around fitness because I always felt like I was going to be the biggest. I'll be, I'll be the slowest. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get left in the dust. They're going to leave me behind. And I remember this one night, this woman stood up in front of us and said, I'm going to be your run leader for the next 12 weeks. And I was completely taken back that she had a larger body and her body was very similar to the one that I had. And this was kind of in the early days of smartphones. Like not everyone had a smartphone. We still had flip phones. So there wasn't this access to see to visibility. Like I couldn't just go on Instagram and view plus size athletes, or I couldn't just see people in larger bodies doing amazing things. And literally she was the first representation I had seen of a larger woman pursuing athletics in fitness leadership and she was the only woman that I'd ever met in a larger body who was not trying to be in a smaller body. So I trained with her for 12 weeks and it wasn't like I abandoned all my, you know, previous thinking, but it really stuck with me and it really influenced me so profoundly. During that training I thought I actually might be able to do this fitness gig without battling my body. Like mm. I actually might be able to show up and that whole rhetoric isn't going to be a part of it. And I thought to myself, people need to know about this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was her that really influenced me. I was working as a talent agent at the time in commercial work. And so we were dealing with very idealistic beauty, the white, mm -hmm. thin, chiseled, very young looking uh, people that we were casting for television. So I would go out on these runs with her and she would be all about, you know, athleticism in the body that you have now and mm -hmm. very like celebratory about the body, which of course I, as I shared, I haven't really had that in my life. And I would have to go back on Monday morning into my day job and, you know, really co-sign these beauty ideals that I no longer was starting to believe in. And it was really this point of tension where I was like, I don't think I can do this work anymore. And therefore, what am I going to do? And then I thought to myself, there's nothing out there for people to celebrate their bodies through athleticism or through movement or exercise, whatever resonates with the individual in the body that they have right now without the rhetoric of making it smaller. So speaking of the body that you have now, what's a day in your life look like? I mean, what are some of your daily personal and fitness rituals? So every single morning I wake up, I walk my dog, I live right beside a river. So that's really like my morning movement, which is more of for me, meditative movement. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's a massive spectrum of movement. So when we see individuals, you know, I talk a lot about this in my course is that there's fitness idealism out there, just like there is beauty idealism. And a lot of people think that fitness has to look a certain way or movement has to be a certain way. And it's often presented in this very hardcore, exclusionary way, when there's just so many types of movement for many purposes and many seasons in our life too. So in the morning, my season is I don't want to be any I don't want to be doing anything hard. I want to just wake up and move my body and, and get some fluidity in it. And then 
several times a week, I will go to a gym and I do weightlifting. I'm really into Olympic weightlifting. Mm. So I've been training in that for several years now. And it's not like I'm the best or the heaviest or whatever, but I just really enjoy it. I find it really powerful. And um, I'd say those are my two forms of movement. I also love to ride my bike sometimes on the sunny day. But in Vancouver, the sunny days are pretty far and few between these days. Okay. Well, so dog walking, weightlifting, and bicycling. Yeah. Okay, cool. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to and perhaps watching Full Body Frequency. My guest is the one and only Louise Green. She is the visionary founder of Big Fit Girl. She has smashed the barriers of mainstream fitness and is the first plus size athlete to be featured in elite magazines such as Triathlete, Bicycling, Impact, Canadian Running, and Runner's World UK. So we are back. And on your July 25th, 2020, Louise Green Big Fit Girl Instagram post, you write, I may not be the trainer for everyone. But one thing I know for sure, people respond to relatability. We all have our struggles and pretending to have it all figured out is not only a disservice to you, but also to myself. Living without authenticity and transparency isn't something I can do. It's too painful to hold it inside. Being vulnerable means risk. You might judge me. You might discredit me. You might lose respect for me. But all we have is our truth. This is me, and so far, exposing myself has proven to be a successful endeavor. As many say, it's refreshing and it frees me of abandoning myself, which is massively healing. In the same spirit of healing, Louise, you have a spring training camp that's in full swing. And by the time the show airs, you'll be a few days into your weightlifting training course. Tell us about your spring training camp, which ends on June 18th, and whether or not it's too late to join. The spring training camp, it is too late to join, but I run them kind of consecutively. And basically, the spring training camp offers a variety of training plans for individuals if they want to, you know, start moving pick up the moving, up the moving, wherever they're at. And so unlike a lot of training plans, they start where we can engage everybody. The weightlifting program has seated options. Obviously, the the cycling and the swimming, that's a little bit more difficult. But we start with like people that can maybe not swim one lap. And then we also have people that are swimming multiple laps at very you know, high speed. So it's a community of individuals. The common place there is that people are coming in a larger body. And the reason why that's important as a prerequisite, and it's not like we monitor this closely, but the reason why this is important is because of the lived experience that mm -hmm. we share. Mm -hmm. So it's more than just a training plan where you get a plan. It's the place that we can really unpack those experiences that we've had, particularly in fitness spaces, and not just in fitness spaces, but in health spaces in general, where there's a large degree of weight bias that people face 
almost always when they go into those spaces. Mm -hmm. And I think when you have not had that lived experience and you're trying to engage in fitness in group settings with people that don't have those experiences, it's very othering. So how does this work? You're in Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm in Chicago. I want to mm -hmm. take your class. How do I begin? So everything I do is online and I put I did that on purpose so that we could start to serve a more global audience. And I have people in Chicago in the training camp right now. And they join online. We have an online community in a private Facebook group. We do weekly calls, much like this, where we have a discussion of topic and we talk about the training plans. And everybody posts in the Facebook group about how it's going for them. We get daily sweaty selfies. And um, if people want to customize their plan, then I can work with them to do that. So I think the point of drop off for people often is that things become too overwhelming or too difficult in a lot of mainstream fitness plans. Mm -hmm. And there's no one there to say, hey, we can work where you're at. We can adapt this to work for your body. Because fitness isn't a one size fits all. It isn't like here's a plan, everyone go do it and everyone's going to have the same experience. It's more about working with the individual's body ability, um, their psychological standpoint at that time as well, and adapting it to work for them rather than having people try to fit into a fitness culture that really isn't that inviting to a lot of people. Now, I know you're not a physician, but I have to ask this question about knees and joints and that sort of thing. My internist told me not to begin training for a 5K because he felt that my knees wouldn't be strong enough. So is there an exercise or some kind of routine during your training sessions that focuses on strengthening the knees and the body, the joints, the lower body? Yeah, so that is a very common thing that people hear in larger bodies that, mm -hmm. oh, it's not good for your knees. Well, that's that's very subjective to it to each individual. I think it's kind of a blanket statement that a lot of people hear unless you've specifically said to your physician, my knees hurt, then there's not really a lot of founding for that. Um, and also the way that we train people is very low impact. So it's not like you're pounding on the pavement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's more of a shuffle and it's or we get people into walking. As far as knees, the joint themselves will not necessarily become stronger, um, but the muscular system around the joints can become stronger by strengthening the quadriceps and strengthening the, the muscles that structure around the knee joint itself. If somebody has knee problems, I wouldn't necessarily say, yes, a running program is the great thing for you. Mm -hmm. um, but there's other ways that people can move their body. And that's why we implemented cycling and swimming and seated exercises and standing exercises so that we could really work with a wide range of bodies. Great. Thank you for answering that question. And no, I don't have knee problems. Doctor. Exactly. So it's <laughs> yeah. like, why are we, you know, we're telling people to not exercise based on this kind of stereotype. I People tell me that all the time. I was told not to do this because it's going to hurt my knees. Well, mm -hmm. until it does hurt your knees. I mean, I'm not saying let's do it until it does, right. but we very closely monitor the situation. And I've trained hundreds, if not thousands of people to do a 5k in larger bodies. 
with wow. no knee pain. <laughs> Excellent. Amazing. Good to hear. Thank you. Thank you. So now let's unpack weightlifting because there are so many of us over the years who have equated weightlifting with masculinity and hypermuscularity. And I, I know personally, I swing kettlebells, but I've resisted weightlifting. And for me, my arms are large. They're the first place that I gain weight. And although I'm proud of their strength and um, the size of my arms, it's just been frustration for me all of my life. And that said, I certainly don't want to add bulk to arms. Uh, but tell me why a woman of a certain age, me and size, with concerns about not increasing my arm girth, how might weightlifting be physically beneficial and healing to me and other plus size people? So there is, again, that whole conversation out there about I don't want to get bigger mm -hmm. um, as far as I don't want to be bulkier. Mm -hmm. um, and I find often what happens, particularly in my own body and what I see with the people that I train, is that there's a shift in body composition. So it isn't necessarily that you're going to get bigger. What often happens is the muscle might replace other tissue. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this shift in... And it could it could result in weight gain because because you're building muscle. Um, there might be a slight, uh, you know, you have to lift really, really heavy weight, you know, without getting too technical into what's happening in the muscles. But we're micro tearing the muscles when we're lifting weights. And it's the healing process that kind of makes the muscle bigger. So in order to build significant bulk. Mm -hmm. like we see in bodybuilding and things like that, is it takes a lot of like five, six, seven days a week in the gym, very heavy weight. So there might be a slight change in, in size in the arm, but I would think that it would be more of a shift in composition. The reason why weight training is important, I believe, and particularly for people that are 40 and over, is because of bone density. Mm. So as as our hormones change as we as we get older, so does the decrease in bone density. And so it's one of those things that we can do, you know, depending on a person's age, sometimes these things just aren't important. I know when I was 25 years old, I could care less about bone density. Mm -hmm. Now I'm 51 and I do care because I want to be able to be strong and independent for as long as I possibly can. Weight training is also a great way, not just for the bone density, but to have that independence for as long as you can into your the back end of our lives. For example, being able to stand up out of a chair and that, you know, that also includes the toilet and things like that, where we will be have that independence to do so. Just have the muscular strength. And in order to get that muscular strength, it's going to need some kind of resistance training, whether it be you know, cables at the gym, bands, weights, whatever it might be, but it's got to be some kind of resistance to build the strength within the body. Well, I'm Laura Rice. I'm a future weightlifter. <laughs> Gonna need that. <laughs> and you're listening to Full Body Frequency. My guest today is global fitness expert and anti-fat bias activist, Louise Green. She can be found all over social media under the handle Louise Green, Big Fit Girl. So before we end this interview, there's a new and exciting fitness and educational initiative you've been involved with. Spill some tea for us. 
So a couple of years ago, I launched the Size Inclusive Training Academy because I was working with a lot of people that, you know, wanted to go into a gym space eventually, wanted to have a trainer and wanted to have that gym experience. And yet every time I would give them advice on how to approach a gym or how to ask questions to the trainer, they were often met with that same weight bias rhetoric. So Mm. unless we start to change things in kind of a trifecta, where we change the attitudes of fat women, knowing that they're worthy and capable to go into these spaces, but we can't send people into those spaces if they keep getting met with the same rhetoric. Right. The other point to that triangle is the education piece, where the fitness professionals need to be educated on what it's like to be in a larger body approaching health and fitness spaces, and all of the barriers that people face. So we often hear the stereotypes that larger body people just don't want to exercise or, you know, those type of stereotypes. Well, the fact is that they actually do. And I know this because I've had thousands of conversations with people that really do want to exercise. It's not that they're failing. It's that our industry is failing them. We are failing them. And I'm part of that demographic as well. And so we need to have the education behind it because when you go to become a personal trainer or group fitness instructor, there isn't a lot of, if any, education around this is what the lived experience is like. Not only is it difficult for people in larger bodies to enter in gym spaces just because there's zero representation of them in the marketing message, in the banners when they walk in the gym, on the televisions that show the exercises, in the pro shop where they sell the t-shirts and the tank tops. There's nothing there for them. There's no representation. Not only that, but to buy clothing, to go to the gym, is very difficult. You can't walk into a store and buy it off the rack in most cases. Right. You've got to order it and send it back three times until you get the right fit. So even to dress your body, to go into a space that has zero representation of you, to then meet your trainer who has no idea what to do with you and doesn't mm-hmm. understand your lived experience, there are multiple barriers for people to exercise on a regular basis. So we need to stop saying that people don't want to exercise, or we need to stop saying that people are lazy when it's actually the onus isn't on them. And so the education piece is very big here. And so that's why we started the the Size Inclusive Training Academy so that we could start to sweep the industry. There's still quite a bit of resistance around that because the fitness industry is based on anti-fatness. So when we start to introduce this concept of moving away from anti-fatness, It's threatening. And it's like, well, how how do you measure results then? We're not just trying to educate people. We're trying to shift a culture here, which is coming with open arms by a lot of people, but a lot of resistance by a lot of people as well. And the third piece in that trifecta is the advertising message. So I try to work with advertising professionals from time to time and try to work with brands to hone a more inclusive message. Because if, if we were on the subway and we could see in the ads, the thousands of ads that go by us every day, whether you're scrolling, you're on the bus, mm-hmm. whatever, you could see yourself 
living a successful life, living, dating, successful at work, at the gym, if we could see larger body people actually doing that, which they are. Which we are. Which they, which we are. Um, if we could see that, then we could evoke that. If we could see it in the health and fitness message, then we could evoke people to come into those spaces and enjoy themselves and, you know, have access. Because what it comes down to is inequity in health and fitness. And so it's actually like a systemic inequity because we are so anti-fat and so and we're so full of weight bias that we're creating this experience that people don't have the same access to these services. And largely in part because the people that are operating the organizations don't have the education. My understanding, and I think that you're doing this at the university level. I think that the university level is really open to the conversation, which is fantastic because we're getting people before they go into the industry. So we're working with kinesiology departments and hopefully soon we'll be working with social justice departments as well, that we're learning young people. And and the thing that I really like about working with university level um, students is they are young and they are open. And they are a very hopeful future for us. It's my generation that isn't as open. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's that st- we're still stuck in the, you know, anti-fatness kind of model. And I just, when I speak at these, to these classes, I walk away with a lot of hope and I walk away with a lot of, I think it's going to be okay eventually. <laughs> Good. Well, that's hopeful. That's really hopeful. So Louise Green, founder of Big Fit Girl, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. Oh, my pleasure. And we'll have to do a part two after I join your weightlifting training course. I'm committed to doing that. So fantastic. um, Yeah, yeah. It's, It's been a long time coming and the fear of bulking up has prevented me from doing more than kettlebells, but I think I'm ready now. I think I'm ready. Yeah, so. that's fantastic. So for more information on Louise, Big Fit Girl, and upcoming fitness training sessions, join me, you all. Join me. Visit BigFitGirl.com. That's BigFitGirl.com. Until next time, tune into your own full body frequency, where large is luscious living. <laughs> <laughs>